Welcome to PhD to Industry, the podcast that empowers graduate students, PhDs, postdocs, and academics to explore and succeed in fulfilling non-academic careers. I'm your host, Aditya, and I'm here to provide you with insights and practical advice by interviewing industry leaders and experts. You can find show notes and key learnings from this episode and numerous other helpful resources at phd2industry.substack.com. Today we have Arun. So Arun started his professional career in Honeywell in India. Then he moved to the Utah State University for his master's and the focus there for him was system level front-end analog design. After his master's, he began to work in a company called LSI, which is a semiconductor company, and his primary responsibility was test engineering. He then decided to go back to graduate school for his PhD, which I want to deep dive today. And in the middle of the PhD, he had an internship at Google for hardware engineering. And after finishing his PhD from Thayer School of Engineering at Dartmouth, he joined Google. And he's been with Google ever since for four years. And today he's a senior engineer at Google. Not only is Arun a great professional, Fun fact is he's also a dear friend of mine and my roommate from graduate school. So we have a lot of great memories that we shared at Dartmouth. So I'm really excited to welcome you, Arun. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Adi. Thanks for inviting me to the show. Awesome. Yeah, we're really glad to have you. Maybe we can jump in with your journey to PhD. So after your master's, you already were in the industry, right? At some point, you decided to go back to pursue your PhD. A lot of the audience today, they're PhDs, postdocs, who might be in a similar kind of situation. So I was curious, what led you to your desire to go back to graduate school after you'd been working for a few years and perhaps go back to a graduate salary and decided, all right, this is the path I want to pursue. So if you could elaborate on your decision to go for a PhD, that would be great. Sure. I started off in Utah State doing my master's, and there I got an insight into what it means to be an electrical engineer. The experiences in India versus grad school in US are vastly different, and I got interested. So there I started doing front-end analog front-end design in, for spacecraft electronics, and I was really passionate about it. And at some point during my master's, I wanted to do a PhD. And this was sometime during 2009, 2010 is when I got my master's degree. But at that point, I really wanted to transition to a PhD, but I just felt that wasn't the right school. And I did try to Mm. explore other schools during that time, but either because of the economic downturn, there weren't as as much funding available for the roles that I was looking for, like the graduate positions that I was looking for. Yeah. And then maybe I thought it would also make sense to just see what the industry has to offer. So that's how I transitioned to the industry. But unfortunately, I didn't really enjoy my work there. I just felt that I was in a very niche and like a very, I don't know if trap is the word that I can use, but I just didn't have the interest in the role that I was doing there. 
So I thought I should, I anyways wanted to do a PhD. So, in, so I started looking for options, like instead of looking for a change in my professional role to a different uh, company, I thought maybe I should just explore. I started looking and my attention was, in fact, I learned about the role that I'm in the grad position in Dartmouth from LinkedIn. So my professor, uh, Kofi Odame, he had listed it, listed these on LinkedIn saying that, hey, I have some interesting positions open. So I thought, hey, why not? Let me go ahead and check out those. And what caught my interest was the emphasis on IC design, which yeah. is what I was also doing in my master's. And I actually like the application part. like uh, the, we. The IC design would help in biomedical devices plus image sensors. And both of them had were something that I was already interested in. Got so it. I thought I, I should export that. Got it. I'm curious if after a PhD, when you went back to industry, did that role in test engineering help you at all to, to understand how things work? Were there nuggets from that role that you were able to take, take on into the future? That's a good question. In my personal experience, I didn't gain any experience there other than just being part of the industry culture. But mm -hmm. I didn't really gain any specific nuggets that I'm actually using right now in my role or whether I even did that in my PhD. Like it, it didn't really help me those two years. What, yeah. what, so what about that role was uninspiring? If I could use that word, was it the repetitive nature of testing that there's not a lot of like cognitive involvement? Is that why you didn't enjoy it? Or what were the root causes that perhaps you didn't enjoy and also maybe couldn't take away a lot from that opportunity? Yeah, I can speak to that. As you mentioned, the main part is the repetitiveness. And I didn't see the room for growth didn't see myself growing in that role. It would take a lot more years of experience to get to a point where you could start innovating or doing something more to grow Got in it. your career. And that's something yeah. that I realized within the first six months to a year of working in that role that, hey, mm -hmm. something is, this is not something that I would want to do for the rest of my life. Got it. Makes sense. So once you decided to go back to learn more, go to a graduate degree at Dartmouth. Um, by the way, I'm glad you did because that's where I met you. And we've hit it off since then. We've been friends for a long time now. So in a way, it worked out for us and our friendship. Yeah. But I'm also curious, once you were at Dartmouth, how was your experience there overall? And what was your steps after Dartmouth, after your PhD to re-enter the industry? In Dartmouth, I, I had decided to focus, right? Like I, I knew I was coming from the industry. So when I was leaving the industry, I got a lot of pushback from my friends as well. Hey, why are you going back? Yeah. And in addition, since I was here on a visa, but like, ah, like uh -huh. changes yeah. to the visa status, which were like going from work to student. So there was some pushback from my friends. 
luckily my family was very supportive and i'm glad that they were and once i was in dartmouth again interesting i don't know whether i have mentioned this to you but there were a few people who were like why are you here you were already in an industry with a job why did you and those initial 2 3 months were like hey yeah the everybody is talking about this so i just wanted to stay away from that and just focus on what i really wanted which is to just get into my phd doctoral research and try to do a good job there and the first couple of years were just getting to getting my feet wet in in the research i think i learned a lot in the first couple of years i was doing yeah. working on image sensors and i learned a lot of nuances and it fascinated me the image sensors part the next part once i transitioned off the project the next year or so were not that great like i i didn't know where my research was headed there were a lot of open ended open ended questions there and maybe i wasn't enjoying it as much but then i ended up in this electrical impedance tomography project which i guess you you were also working on but mine mine was more on the hardware side so i started yeah. working on this ic design part um and then i started looking at the system level part of the electrical impedance tomography system and that's where i realized like yeah this is what i wanted to work on this is the part which interests me and during that time i started looking for internships in in different companies i think this was during the fourth year of my phd yeah so i i still had probably a year to go before i could wrap up my research but around this time i started looking for internships because i believe that the internship is your foothold into the industry to find better jobs mm-hmm. to find a job so that's when i started looking at internship that helped me pivot to from the phd portion to the industry part yeah let's talk a little more about your internship you did a internship at google and was the program a structured program or was the role created for you it was a structured program and typically internships are 3 months 12 weeks during summer but this was an longer internship period it was almost 6 months and it started in jan and in the context of hardware internship it was the perfect time length of internship because it allowed me to start at the design phase go through the steps of design implementation fabrication and also do the validation so it gave me the yeah. insight into a complete cycle and i really enjoyed it because being there it realized me yeah this is what i want to do and i gained a lot of skills which i could come back and then actually apply to my current ongoing research so that that kind of helped me like it helped me leapfrog into the industry also helped me accelerate my research part of like in the at dartmouth 
So were so, you certain already at that point that ultimately you would want to go back to industry or did you ever think of professorship or academia as a long-term career? It was very clear to me even during my earlier time during my PhD program that I wanted to go back to industry. Like that that was clear to me even before I joined. Got it. And why is that? Because it it's counterintuitive because your industry experience initially was not ideal, but you always wanted to go back. So I'm, if you could explain like how or why, despite a bad experience for a couple of years before your PhD, you still wanted to go back. It allows you to do, like you're, you're not restricted to only one field. I was able to like pivot to different aspect of it's electrical engineering, but just even though it's electrical, I moved from IC design to yeah. to system level design during my PhD, and I saw how relevant those skills were in in the industry. And now, having worked in the industry for more than three years now, I can see that it's easier to move around. Like. In consumer electronics right now, I'm working on one specific product, but I can easily pivot to a different product. For example, if I'm working on doorbells, I can pivot to uh, phones mm, or I yeah. can pivot to tablets or something of that sort. And each one has its own challenge. So I find that exciting. Like you could potentially yeah. have, you potentially have more options. Not to say that, Academia is not flexible, but I just I just thought I, I would be more comfortable working in an industry. Than got academia. it, got it. Yeah. Could you talk about how you wrapped up your PhD and you restarted? Could I say restart your role in Google? Was that an agreement or? Did you have to reapply to your Google role or was there a role for you after your internship pretty much there and it was a matter of formalities or what, did you have to reapply and re-earn that role after PhD? Yeah, there, there wasn't a role. Op- there, was a, there wasn't a role there for me. So there you are treated like an external candidate. So I was treated like an external candidate. I went through the round of interviews. The only thing is the number of interviews are less than an external candidate, mainly because you have already gone through certain rounds before you join the internship position, right? There was no specific role that was already assigned to me, but I had to go through through this. And then I was told that once I finish my PhD, then if there's any open role, then I can come back to that. Got it. And did you apply to many other companies or just Google? I did apply to others. I applied to Apple for a system engineer role, but I also applied to other companies such as Texas Instruments and Log Devices for IC design roles. Although I wasn't too excited about getting into IC design again, because as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to be on the system side of things. Got it. One question to wrap up this section of the podcast. Knowing all of the things you know today and your experience in Google, 
would you redo your PhD or would you try to go straight from your first industry role to a role in Google? I keep thinking about that question. I think I'm glad I did my PhD. I, I think I would do it. And I would do it in a better fashion is how I would say it. After you reached out to me regarding this specific podcast, it got me thinking like, what could I have done better being during my PhD? And there are several things that I could have changed, but I'm glad I did PhD. I did my PhD because I really enjoyed Dartmouth, especially for the friends, the roommates, the fun that we had there in addition to the whole academic yeah. experience as well. So I wouldn't, I would do it again for sure. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So let's move to the next section, which is more about your time after your PhD. So I'd love to start talking about your current role and how does a day-to-day look like for a senior hardware engineer at Google? Sure. Yeah, I can speak to it. In my current role, I'm a hardware design engineer. Mm-hmm. I work on consumer electronic products. Day-to-day life is a lot about working with your fundamentals of electrical engineering. Plus, there's a lot of cross-functional collaboration that is necessary. So as a system electronics engineer, you're actually not only focusing on your design, you're also trying to make sure the entire system works as a whole. It's, it's a combination of electronics, product design, product managers. And at times when a product is defined, right? The product manager says, talks about a few features that they want. But on, on the engineering side, we have to let the PM know about certain gaps in their assumptions or educate them on guiding them. Hey, this is probably a better, this is what we could do given the constraints that we have. for So to, to answer your question, to complete the answer, it's more about your own design, but also collaborating with other teams a lot in the interest of getting the whole system to work as efficiently and make with all the user facing features optimized. Got it. So do you, how much of your time every day do you spend in such cross collaborative, like meetings perhaps with other groups, like the product manager group or the design group? And how much of your time do you spend actually designing the electronics or the integrated circuits? So what's that split like for you? It depends on the phase of the in the early definition phase, there's a lot of time we spend in meetings. Like it, it is necessary to just get all the teams converging on the same solution, just yeah. talking to them about what are the features necessary, what features doesn't make sense. And a lot of times it doesn't happen in a single, and it never happens in a single meeting. So there's yeah. always like things to go back, look into that and come back. So I would say in the very early definition phase, a lot of time is spent in meetings. But as we converge on a single architecture and a solution, then we start getting into the implementation part. That's where we start 
designing we start thinking deeper into the electrical engineering problems and how to solve could you talk a little bit more about what a typical timeline could be from taking a hardware product from discovery to design to development all the way to release so for example in software i would imagine it's much faster than hardware because you could probably iterate faster i'm i work in the medical devices or med tech industry. So it's still slow due to regulation, but I'm curious from a hardware engineering perspective, what a typical, for a typical complexity project, what the timelines would be from design to a release. Yeah. For consumer electronics, I would typically say two years from, uh, from concept to, to actual production or release. And phones can also be one of the examples. Like you have phone refreshes every year, yeah. but the design would have started two years earlier. So that's a very typical time frame for consumer. Got it. Got it. The earlier, the first six months are six to eight months are spent in concept phase um, where you're solidifying the feature set. And then the next few months, we have to go through prototyping builds yeah and then the an important part of the whole uh, at least the consumer electronics is the reliability so you have to allow the device to be subjected to all kind of harsh environments or testing yeah to then make sure that it is it is expected to work as designed mm-hmm. and then you have a final then you have a build which will allow you to scale so that you have more samples so then you, you the sample size increases and then yeah, finally you it. release it to production so that's and that typically takes two years you cannot it. shorten it if it's a low complexity maybe you could for example if it's a wi-fi enabled light or something or switch that might not take two years but for a yeah. medium to high complexity design it would definitely take two years to get your design right what what's it one or two examples of some of the hardware products you have worked on and perhaps a kind of typical definition of what a hardware engineering product would look like yeah so i have worked on the google doorbells i've worked on both generations which was one was released in 2021 and the other one was released in 2022 last year so it's called the google doorbell wire and google doorbell battery so those are the two ones two designs i work with and they are fairly complex designs they might look like a doorbell but they are like smart doorbells so it was very interesting to work on these products it was challenging. It was my very first experience in the industry working on a consumer electronic product. I learned a lot during my first year. And I've carried over that knowledge into my the second. It's helped me grow in my career as well. Got it. What's, is, what's the smart part about the smart doorbell? It is, it integrates with your Google home ecosystem. So it can talk about announcements. It can provide announcements. If somebody's at the door, it can provide you uh, 
alerts of motion it can provide you alerts of familiar right. faces like it can it it runs ai like it can run uh, machine learning on its on the device itself so that it can alert you about things so is the device uh, that you worked on does it come with a camera as well as a screen for analytics does it come as a package or is it just one or the other it's just the camera it's just the camera there's no screen so all the analytics, all of the computing, everything happens on the camera. It happens on the camera and then you offload it to the app and the app is able to Got it. inform you of those things. And if you have a smart display, then you can get notifications on that smart display as well. Got it. That's very cool. Yeah. You wouldn't think a lot of the complexities and the computing that happens in all of these devices at such small levels. I think that just in general, day-to-day -day life, there's probably a lot more smartness around all kinds of consumer electronics today, right? Yeah, there's people are moving towards, I mean, AI is a word which is very prevalent in the industry right now. And yeah. people are trying to make devices as smart as they can to provide, in the end, it's about providing the user with the best experience with the product that they own. And in many ways, the Google doorbell, it has a lot of AI. It's trying, it's striving to help the user by using AI and machine learning for a lot of the features that yeah. it can provide to the user. Yeah. As a, as somebody who is not in Google, I'm cons consistently learning about the different suite of products that Google offers and, and a lot of the big tech offers, right? To me, from the outside, I had the impression that Google was primarily a software company from day-to-day -day use that everybody, billions of people use every day. But I'm learning a lot about your hardware projects. I'm curious how, first of all, I'm curious if that's a true statement that Google is first and foremost a software company with hardware products or would you consider there's a lot of hardware devices and strategy in Google that may be just not apparent to the normal public? Yeah, Google is definitely a software company. Hardware is just a very tiny portion of Google just in terms of the revenue and but it's it has been growing steadily, especially if you look at Pixel phones, pixel phones are everywhere now. And Google has put in a lot of effort to advertise pixel phones and showcase the, again, the AI part features in the phone. So I would definitely say that um, Google is a software company, but hardware is, is prevalent. Like within Google, there are a lot of teams which work on various hardwares. And part of that is because of Android, right? Google owns Android. Yeah. And with Android, they, re they are really serious about um, inviting users to their ecosystem of Android. It can only be possible with quote unquote, first party hardware. And that's what Google is trying to do with their Pixel phones, Pixel watch. 
yeah, so no. those the, that's what they are trying to do and if you think about in comparison apple has always had the strong hardware software integration so you cannot separate hardware for mac os it has to be an apple product that's their commitment and google is trying to get yeah. there with this yeah. android and first party hardware yeah, talking about Google and Apple, it made me think of a lot of the recent news that except for Apple, a lot of the tech companies are having layoffs all around and people may be thinking of transitioning to industry, may be fearful right now, may not be the right time because there's already a lot of layoffs happening. Could you talk a little bit about how the recent layoffs may have impacted Google or your team? And if you have any advice for PhDs who may be looking to big tech right now, if it's a good time or not? That's a very tricky question, I should say. The effects of layoffs are still not gone away. Like my team was heavily affected for sure. That in itself shouldn't deter people from joining big in the big industry. I don't think layoffs are any indication of what you could potentially achieve in an industry. They are an outlier, I would say, just based on the economy and what's happening across like the tech industry. I would say it it's not a reason for people to move away from yeah. big companies. Because big companies have a lot to offer. They are sitting on like tons of cash. They have a lot of, you You could influence, with your skill set, you would be able to influence a lot of new ideas or innovation. Because if you have the funding to do it, then you can always yeah. do that. As opposed to maybe smaller companies are more focused and who wouldn't have the ability to do something different than what they already do. So. Yeah. And that's an interesting perspective. And I've always thought if you look at the growth of big tech and tech in general over the last couple of years, it's definitely in the double digit percent, which translates for large companies to hundreds of thousands, maybe tens of thousands. And the layoffs of a few thousand make big news right across the industry. But at the same time, if you zoom out and look at the amount of growth, maybe there was 20 to 50,000 people in big tech and layoffs happened in the thousands, maybe 10,000. It's still a larger company than just a year ago or perhaps even a few months ago. So I think put it, putting that in perspective, the news make me make you feel like there's a lot happening, but I think sometimes good to zoom out and look at the higher level trends. I agree. And these, the layoff decisions are unfortunate, right? Like you would, it's twofold. It's one is you're losing talent, good talent who could actually work on some innovative products. Second is like they could be your colleagues who have, you have formed a good bond with. So having them not work with you side by side, yeah. that could also have an impact on your, on, on, on how in, in the workplace, but it's unfortunate, but it's again, 
you have very little control over it as an individual contributor right yes. so it's it doesn't define it, it shouldn't define somebody from pursuing a career in the big tech for sure yeah for sure and i think if somebody is trying to plan a transition to industry it's a long term play right things will settle down hopefully i'm also yeah. glad that you were not personally affected because the first thing i thought of when i saw the google news was you and uh, i know your team was affected and you were not in a kind of right state of mind a few weeks ago maybe a month ago so i'm glad like things are looking slightly better and you're regaining some of your positivity back so i'm glad things are going hopefully more more stable and normal in the coming up future yeah sure you cannot plan your career based on layoffs for sure it could happen in big it could happen in small companies as well i don't think that should be a factor in in your like transition to the industry at all yeah great so i think we're getting close to the end and i'd love to ask you with your experience in your phd and now working for many years do you have one piece of advice for the listeners that you'd like to give sure i think i have two one specific to academics okay. i would say that if your mind is set to go into the industry then i would encourage everyone who is doing a phd to start looking for internships during their during their like during their phd right so start looking for industries right from the first year and try to cycle across different roles so that you get a sense of what it is that you would want to work eventually on right sometimes the phd skill sets the way i look at it is it's all the analytical problem solving skill sets which you could use across different areas so on that front i would highly encourage people to try different internships if possible different roles yes if it is if their field allows it so that you just get a wide a broader perspective of things out there yeah and then you can always have that in, and that builds your arsenal because you already have that insight and once you're in the industry you can think hey the second internship i did probably was something better and then you can always transition to that yeah and this helps if you're in a bigger company because internally there are chances of internal mobility is high like chances for internal mobility is high in big companies yeah that's so you can advice. always yeah you can always transition from one type of consumer electronics to something else if you want to be in the mainstream field of products but there's another another uh, group which works only on new technology so you could be part of that that's great advice and even personally i wish i had done more internships or any internships for that matter when i did my phd because for the first 2 years i did a rotational program after phd and yeah went to different parts of the business learned a lot and i just wish i had done that sooner so 
I could get a kind of a head start in the role I wanted, which eventually ended up being product management. So that's great advice for people in the PhD program. I have a second part to this as well, and this is not academic advice, but this is more on personal growth. I feel during your PhD is when you can develop a new hobby. Yeah. Like I, I think it's super important. And this is one of the things I feel that I would change if I go back in time and do my PhD again. Do come up with a new hobby, travel more is something I would definitely encourage everyone to do because right now in industry, it's a different kind of lifestyle. You don't have the same time that you probably had during your PhD. So I would encourage people in doing their PhD to just take some time off for yourself, travel, learn a new hobby, maybe chess, similar to what we would <laughs> we played in when we were roommates. So yeah, that's great. Video games, play yeah. video games. It's funny in hindsight when during the PhD you think, oh, I have no time for anything. Then post PhD you re realize, looking back, you had so much time. Exactly. So, exactly. so that's great advice too. That's nice. I like yeah. it. One one more professional and one personal. I love it. Great. So I want to get close to wrapping up and before we wrap up i wanted to do a lightning round so you can think of any word or phrase whatever comes to your mind first for the next questions i'll ask that would be great so let's start off with the first question so if you could eat one food for the rest of your life what would that be spicy paneer curry love it <laughs> nice What's your most recent favorite TV show or movie? Ah, most recent, right? The Last of Us on HBO. Oh, yeah. Haven't watched that. I yeah. see it all over social media all the time. So I, I want to watch that next. Where is your next travel destination? It'll be to India because I have to go back to meet my family, but... If it wasn't going to be India, I want to say Japan. It's a place that I always wanted to visit. I always want to visit. So it's on my bucket list. But nice. I actually end up going to Japan. I don't know. But yeah, Japan is definitely on my bucket, bucket list. Nice. Great. So that brings us to the end. And again, I wanted to thank you for giving us your time. It was very insightful. I learned so much actually today. So it was really useful for me and I hope it's the same for listeners. And a final question, where can listeners find you online and how can they be useful to you? Yeah, I'm not on any social media other than LinkedIn. So that's the only place where you can find me. So just look for Arun Rao Google and I should be probably the first person to pop up. Although Having said that, there's another Arun Rao at Google. So maybe you'll have to you'll have to look for Arun Rao hardware engineer. So that's don't that's... worry, I'll add your link to the show notes. <laughs> yeah, you can you can just add my LinkedIn. Yeah, that's the only social media presence that I have. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch and let's chat again at some point. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Adi. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me to this show. I hope you found that valuable. 
If you'd like to tune in to similar future episodes, please subscribe. You can also find detailed show notes and key learnings from this episode and numerous other helpful resources at phd2industry.substack.com. Thank you for listening and hope to see you in the next episode.